It's episode 1,109, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, doe? Uh, just down the road there, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And in LA, from Social Club Misfits, it's Marty. Good day, mate. No. No, not even no, that one? Okay. one. No, not the one. You're closer. It's getting I'm on day. number 12 of, yeah, I'm on number 12 of 33 greetings in English. So we're going to just work down this whole list. Bro, you trying are to find the best way. intro. You're going to need to use chat GPT. Yeah. Good day, mate. That was GPT. the one I was really afraid of and I was embarrassed. So I, I figured if I said it with power, then it would feel like I was confident, but it didn't. Were you trying Next to say it with an accent? I don't know if that makes sense. I don't think they actually said do not use accent. So I already messed it up. Good day. Okay. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to Jenny Allen. Jenny, Jenny's blowing up, blown up. I, I you know her from If Gathering. She's a best-selling author and all this stuff. She's been a friend of the show for a long time. But like, I remember If Gathering was like this little thing in Texas, and now they're doing arenas. I mean, like she's yeah. she's speaking everywhere. She was just at a conference here in Orlando last week. Good for Jenny. Anyway, she's coming up later. We also have uh, uh, a game at the end of the show called You Don't Say, and it is. I can't wait for this one. The dictionary added all these words this week. Mm-hmm. Merriam-Webster's yeah. dictionary added like slay and like added crazy riz, slang. Simp. Yeah, riz. riz is in this dictionary got to chill out, bro. Lit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's crazy. They keep adding words. I remember when we were young, yo, but it was like 10 years. It took 10 years for it to happen. Now it things started, are coming same year. Riz. It all started I with that. bling bling, man. But when mm. bling bling made it in, it was over. Anyway, we have a game at the end of the show about that. And uh, right now, stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. You're listening to Huron John. The song is Blood Diamond Ring. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, this is a, a really interesting one that I'm excited to talk about. Um, Ron James, who's the director of media relations uh, for UFO, UFO research at the group MUFON. MUFON is like an organization that has for a long time been studying the phenomena um, he says that uh, uh, um, in, in a recent interview that part of the, the pushback that the advanced aero, aerospace threat identif- identification program at the Pentagon, that's the one led by Lou Elizondo, who, who had resigned and then gone to work for Tom DeLonge's organization. He said part of the reason that they uh, ended up having a really hard time investigating and kind of got a lot of pushback is because there's a, quote, large contingent of people at the Pentagon who believed that uh, the the UAP phenomenon uh, was actually demons Mm. and that by investigating aliens, people were dabbling in in darkness Mm. and wanted nothing to do with it. Um, And that was part of the reason why the Pentagon was very hesitant to have uh, this looked into. Uh, I, this is the fr- I've actually heard this before from uh, uh, people kind of that have studied this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts here, if, if you don't mind indulging <laughs> no, me I for need a moment. Hear these thoughts. You, you know, I, well, I do know there are, you know, within government, a lot of uh, what I think people outside of Christianity would kind of say or more kind of fundamentalist leading or, you know, Christians who view of the supernatural is somewhat binary in that, you know, it's basically like the supernatural is something that is, you know, separate than the natural world. And there's angels and demons, good and evil, uh, and, and really kind of nothing outside that context. Um, so I do think there's some validity to this and, and why that, that, uh, program within the Pentagon scene, uh, had gotten so much resistant, uh, resistance, but, 
I also think there's an interesting third way of thinking about this. Did you have you guys watched Encounters, the new Netflix show yet? I Steven haven't. Spielberg one. I'd love to. Um, it's a documentary series about uh, people who've had encounters with. I think uh, that's in your algorithm. I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's number one show. I, I, I haven't watched Beckham it, right but now. it's on my list. All I see is Beckham in my it, it's Netflix. The, it, 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 it's Beckham, Steven Spielberg. Like, it's not the like CBS te- like show. No, David Beckham and Victoria. Beckham. Oh, David. Beckham. That's all I see on my like like I was thinking Beckman. I was saying, yeah, that. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, Jesse. No. I know what you're talking about. Yes. It, it, like I said, it's Steven Spielberg uh, series. It's not, and I think it was number. I think it was the number one show, or at least in the top ten. It wasn't uh, my household. <laughs> but anyway, there's a there's an author and Cameron. I've actually told you about her before, Diane um, Pasolka, who's a, a theologian. Uh, and she's written a book called American Cosmics, American Cosmic UFO, UFOs, Religion and Technology. And basically, you know, instead of necessarily thinking that aliens are demons, you know, like that's sort of a modern construct. What if it's more the opposite? What we think of as demons or angels are, quote unquote, aliens, mm-hmm. like in the sense that they are beings created by God that fit into a biblical narrative but don't live on Earth and have some sort of means to interact with people on Earth, just like in the biblical narrative that they do. You know, when, when an angel shows up in the Bible, it's often there's some blast of light or, or something that, you know, kind of connotes there could be some sort of just like now people see lights in the sky. All I'm saying is, like, I don't think necessarily thinking about I think. It's reductionist to today that aliens or UFOs are, quote, demons or demonic. But I think our understanding of the natural and the supernatural is not as necessarily disconnected or as binary as we as sometimes we, we think it is. I mean, it, it, there's a story in, in Ezekiel where the prophet Ezekiel the the sees wheel. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. sees basically what he describes as like a big kind of flying saucer type of thing that interacts with him. It's it's interesting that people at the Pentagon had such, like I said, sort of a binary view of it to the point where it prevented investigation into the topic. Um, but it's uh, I do think opinions about it are shifting. What are you guys' thoughts on that? That opinion that it shouldn't be looked into because it's quote unquote demonic. That's ridiculous. I mean, look into it. It turns out to be demonic. Then we know. Even if it is demonic, you know, like yeah. who cares? Like. I don't know. I, I don't. I have a different. I guess I have a different view. That's like. I, I think there's a whole book called the Bible about caring if it's demonic or not. You know, like. Yeah, but we all- have authority over it. Is is I think that you know what I mean. Like that. That's actually more disarming to me, to be honest. Like that. That is a much more disarming proposition from a biblical standpoint than to think they could be beings from another place that we that we don't understand. You know. I always felt yeah. like as a believer. Like we have God, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We carry the creator. So all those created things are below us. I know that sounds terrible, but like demons, like they're so below us. So like for me in my mindset, I'm always like, like I've never been freaked out by psychics and people like that. They never intimidated me or made me feel uncomfortable. I just always felt like sad for them. Like, oh man, like you got, you picked the wrong one. How can I get you over here? You know, you got to pick the wrong one. Come over here. I just never felt like worried, but I do know that. I know a lot of people who are like on TikTok, there was a whole thing where this guy was like, I'm going to challenge every witch. And his whole thing was put a spell on me and see if it's even real. I'm going to show you that's not real. Like there's a whole world right now of people saying like the spiritual doesn't exist because it's nothing, you know? So there's a lot of different thoughts and there's some people who are like, don't play with that. And some people are like, ah, you got God in you. Some, you know, so many different opinions. I feel like, man, I carry the Holy Spirit. Why am I worried about some created demon that, you know, got cut from the team. He fell, you know, like, what are you doing? You got cut. You're second string. What are we doing here? I love it. I just realized that I'm wearing a social club. Misfits I know. Hat. I saw that. And I was, I was going to say, I was like, that's pretty Isn't awesome. That that no, weird? I, I think it's Sorry, amazing. Man. I mean, we need to sell. We need, I'm we wearing need the Derek minor underwear. So we need the money for relax. the, please buy the hat. Relax, <laughs> relax, relax, relax. I feel left out because I don't have a hat. Good day, mate. It doesn't have a it's hat like, on. It's not going to go, Marty. Keep stop, stop it already. Emily, I'm going to send you a whole thing. I'm going to send you a whole package. You're, you'll be good. I'll send you all the headgear. Don't gear. send it. I bought this with my hard-earned money. No, like, Cameron, make you know, can I just send something to the office? Hey, that's the biggest hater move I've ever <laughs> seen in my life, bro. <laughs> I'll get Fern to send a box to the office. Yeah, the office is at my house. No, so. send okay. it to Emily. It'll get, it'll get rummaged through. Back. 
as a matter of fact, charge Cameron double next time he buys some. I got, I got you all. Yeah, charge Cameron you for shipping. Right. <laughs> I will never accept 15% free discount. You don't get it. Friends. I always pay. I always the man. pay. Thank, Thank you. you. I love free merch. <laughs> I hate paying for things. Emily was just talking about like she was interviewing some band and like as a thank you for the interview they sent her the vinyl like a oh, limited wow. edition vinyl and she was just literally like but I don't have a record before player before we started we recording was telling me this like poo like poo pooing it like I don't even have vinyl player no, 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 I don't even no, no, want this. I, I'm like so send nice it to me. me it's so nice she got the Laney record like, and now Laney's getting played I can never listen to it because I don't have a record player <laughs> she got the new Laney album yeah, and now bribed. it's spinning you know. We actually had a policy for, there was a period where publicists yeah. would do that, where they would like try to like, you know, send great gifts era. to like get attention. And, and we, we would, we would send it back. We would Why? reject it. Like we won't be coerced because we're going to cover you if we're going to cover yeah. you. We're not doing it because you're bribing us, you know? Nah, so. give me the stuff and we still not going to cover or, or you. Or you had to disclose it or you had to disclose yeah, I'll it. I'll be like, that. Yeah. I do yeah. want to yeah. it. The they, merch is great. They sent it. After the interview, like already published and everything, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that is it was yeah. it wasn't a bribe. Was a I, I don't you. accept bribes. I do accept free merch, but I don't accept bribes. I accept bribes. Holla at me. Look, <laughs> if you're record. trying to get yeah. on relevant, holla at your boy. <laughs> I'm gonna name drop you. It costs ten dollars. Look, if you want me to, if you want me to name drop you, I got you, bro. Like, join yeah. my Patreon. I'm gonna name drop you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Derek? Oh shoot, I forgot. Uh, sorry. Okay. So no, no, I'm good. Scientists have created okay. a tiny implant that can cure cancer in 60 days. Mm. So mm. the way it would work is, it seems like there's some sort of. It says about the size of a crayon, and what it would do is obviously mm. implant it into your body, and it would respond to your cells and administer medicine as it sees fit. How it works, I have no clue. It's called the hammer, but I guess it's the idea because, you know, cancer is just overgrown cells. So I guess as the cells would overgrow, it would administer medicine that would keep them from growing. So, so like re-regulate your, yeah, bo- just your re-regulate your body. Levels. So I'm like, that sounds pretty interesting. That sounds pretty dope. Like, I mean, hey, I mean, I, I, I have so a feeling I've had cancer and uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, useful. I have a feeling that yeah. how quickly science is advancing right now with medical technology and I mean, even thing like even things like Ozempic, like mm-hmm. the, like millions of people are losing a ton of yeah. weight right now, and and the obesity probably will become a thing of the past. Like as far as like you know how it's been, mm. and so heart disease and all the diabetes and all these other diseases that are related are gonna go. All these things that have killed off generations are getting like cured and figured out, and I'm I'm wondering what's gonna happen to life expectancy. You know, like in our lifetime, yeah. um, if if cancer is not an issue moving forward, think of how many people yeah. pass away because of cancer or yeah. heart disease and whatever. And like, if they actually can cure these things in our lifetime, are we going to live to 100? Yeah, let me know when they start resurrecting people. Get, like, I'm excited about that one. <laughs> no, I am not. The thing is, the people, the <laughs> same community like, that was like, we don't want a vaccine. They're like, I'll take a crayon. I'll take a crayon in my body that will get rid of cancer. Like, it's just like, it's just a cra- The science community is a picking and choosing situation right now. I don't know that I want to be 150. You know, maybe these diseases are. Yeah, good. that They've seems kinda... like I feel. I feel like once you hit triple digits, <laughs> Methuselah. Like, yeah, I think I'm. I'm right now. How about yeah. something yeah. that makes us stay there, like there 30 a... forever? How about something like that? I think we'd all take it. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'd love to stay. I'd love to live to 150 if I can live to 150 and be healthy. Yeah, like, but if I'm just well, dragging like along, yeah. yeah. If yeah. I'm dragging yeah. along, if you know, if I feel like I feel now. And it's a hundred years later. I'm with yeah. it. But if it's Mother like, Teresa man, thing where you're like, you know, you can't see out of your eyes because your like skin is covering your eyes. You know, she starts like you start melting when you get that age. No. Okay. We're going to cut that out. Great. Very, no, yeah, we're going to cut another thing out. <laughs> going to cut another thing out. You guys saw Mother Dude, Teresa. You, you guys know. saw she got older. She melted a little bit. Mother Teresa. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just have never heard anyone she say like that. She melted her eyes. I like kind of covered her face when she hit in the 90s. It was just, you know. I'll show you guys. A, I was looking at a photo recently. That's why I, I saw her. And her, like, she had, you know, you have extra skin when you get older. And it just covers your own face with your own skin. Just skin. Hey, at least... At least you're talking about a specific person and a specific photo you saw. The things that we've had to cut out in recent weeks is when you talk about entire people groups and and apply. Oh, 
thoughts to an entire listen group of people that I take out that, that Mother Teresa out. you know and I'd to be, be completely honest with you Mother Teresa can I show you this book that I just looked at can I just send this in the group chat for us all all right yes. this is this yeah, is what I, I saw at the, at the I saw this book at the store and it scared my nephew it's a Mother Teresa book I want to show you the cartoon it's at Target right now I'm sending this right now look at this click on this link right now tell me that picture is not scary for a kid's book. <laughs> Why is her head? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Of her yes. body. So that's why I saw Mother Teresa and I it thought about a- it. But that was the book that they sold of her. And I was like, why are they selling this book? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who approved yeah. that cover? That's a, that's a, that's that's a stereotypical awesome. reference. I was pointing yeah, out. I'll tell you who didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the state. The state didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you have, Marty? Just make your head ginormous. I got a great story. Um, <laughs> Man, so much to say here. Uh, I'm going to read the title. This is on Relevant, actual RelevantMagazine.com. A pastor caged himself. I just want to also say quotes, pastor. Caged himself in a lion enclosure to prove nothing can happen to a man of God. Um, this is a self-proclaimed holy man. <laughs> he uh, put himself in a lion's cage, locked him in, and said nothing will happen to him. The act, um, he put his... Uh, Where? This, the, okay, Where so they, th- they thought it was in... Nigeria. It was not in Nigeria. And okay. I, I think it was Somalia, which feels like it would happen over there. Anyway, this guy put his hand in a lion's mouth that was like, look, I'm a man of God. Long story short, he wasn't a man of God. He was just a guy in a suit, just a blue suit. And uh, he wasn't, he was a lion tamer. <laughs> He's a lion tamer that just said that. He worked at a he zoo. At a zoo. He, was on the, he was on the, he he became the find out part of the F yeah, around. Well, he didn't even get bit. <laughs> he didn't get bit. These were, this modern day's Daniel, he didn't get bit. The, the, the mouth, their, their teeth are sanded down. So he kept putting his hand in the, in the mouth. Nothing bad happened to him. I think the bigger story from this is why as Christians do we want to believe this? Why is this, like, why is the snake thing where they're releasing snakes and people get bit in the net? Why yeah. are Christians always looking for a sign Instead of just believing the gospel, why do we need like well, extra information? Well, with the snake thing, I mean, I'm I don't go to yeah. the snake church. I don't encourage snake handling yeah. in, in church and probably in general, unless you're some sort of like licensed professional. Hunter. But that actually yeah, comes does. from a it verse does. where it says, right. you know, where obviously that's a extremely literal interpretation of the verse that says yeah, they don't yeah. take them in Mississippi and then put they, you know, it's always in like the middle of the country where they put them in like a barrel. They've collected them throughout the years. Then they dump them out on a pastor. There's a movie about that where the guy gets bit and dies a pastor. But I just, it, to me, it troubles me to believe that like, wow, Christians are, we're so gullible sometimes like that type, that level of Christian, like this guy was probably going to do a media tour on Daystar and then TBN because of this. And I'm like, why? I'm glad it stopped well <laughs> before it got the momentum, but kind of a crazy story. This guy um, was yeah. not even a pastor. He was just a zoo handler who said he was a man of God. So, you know, be careful. Test He's it. Bible says test the spirits, right? Test it. So, you know. Well, I mean, this video was going around and Christians globally were saying, yes. look at this example of God's power and all this stuff. And then other people pointed out he's yeah, not he's from Somalia. Nigeria. He works at a zoo in Somalia. He's, the whole he's story a fell apart. Every these are, fact yeah. these you are, thought you had. They're like, yeah. they're like baby lions. They love him. They, he raised baby them. Lions don't he attack. raised you know, them like, from a baby. They're not going to bite him. Yeah, like all of it was just like... But Still. it became international news because Christians were spreading it, going like, "Look at this example." I hate of, the gullibleness you know, the of, of, Christ- of believers. Yeah. Like, dude, you yeah. know what? I think we're at this point though in yeah. culture where we need to start testing more because it seems like anybody who's Christians is blowing up right now. And I'm like, why? We just want God so badly. We want to see God's supernatural presence that we're willing to, like. It, it, Except the stupidity of of life. So I want to just say, listen, guys, use some but, discernment. That's but, all I'm going to say. Use some discernment. But don't you think we just live in an era where people are pretty gullible because of the internet? Like they it, are. They are so yeah. gullible because people saw the video online and they're like, and yeah. then they were told that mm-hmm. it's a pastor in Nigeria, and then they just shared it. As He's, I mean, that I, was we've fact, all been to the circus, right? I've seen this act before. I've seen I've seen Barnum and Bailey's. I've seen the guy. <laughs> usually, it's carnival guy. You know, he's got three kids. He's trying to pay child support. They don't do he's animals doing the best anymore. He can. I've never seen the guy in a suit before. That's different. But I've seen this trick. The suit was, it was a, nice a nice touch. You got all blue. Yeah. The all blue yeah. was like the chef's kiss of uh, 
televangelism. A little bit of a flex, yeah, a little chef's kiss. It was the blue. He was like, you know what? To seal it, yeah, I need an all. I need a monochrome color suit. Okay, so before we wrap slices, Emily, uh, do you have any news? Any Taylor Swift updates? Anything? You, sorry, I, I mean, I haven't, heard much, I haven't heard much about her lately. Is there anything yeah. new going on? Um, she is dating this kind of unknown guy. She sort of put him on the map, though. So you maybe have heard of him, Travis Kelsey. I think is his name. Yeah. No, it's, it's coming out of nowhere. He plays some Not game, on, something with a man, ball. I, don't I go know. on Instagram, and that's like all my feed is is like. Good. Taylor Swift. Well, it, it, did you see Kelsey. that even Travis Kelsey said this week? He said the NFL yeah. is way overdoing this. Which like, they are. Even he's like, there's too much. And I'll, I'll say this yeah. as a Swifty, like, I kept seeing so much like of her reaction at the Jets games this week. And it's like, on one hand, I love it. But at the same time, I'm like, this it's not the Taylor Swift game. Like, I, we don't need to see her reaction after every pass, every fumble. Like, you know, just show her, let her know. She, I'm aware she's there. Great. If she does something fun, let me know about it. But like, we don't need like a specific Taylor Swift camera. <clears throat> the, 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 the Taylor football. It, they, it, I just, it, I, like, I'm waiting for the backlash. Like, it's just too much. Like, I'm, I, I think the, people are going to get so sick of her. Listen, I think that, it's that backlash, that, that backlash, they were, it was one first down away from a major backlash because the Jets were expected, they were like, I don't know how I know this, but they were nine and a half point dogs coming into that game. And, <laughs> and the Jets almost beat them. If the Jets had beat the Chiefs, I guarantee yes, you it right, would be Jesse. a different narrative. No, this right. wouldn't be the fun thing anymore. Like it would have been like, this is a distraction. The mighty Kansas City Chiefs have fallen to the lowly Zach Wilson led Jets. It would have been a totally different narrative. Thankfully, with some help of the refs, I'm sorry, but you guys saw that holding call. And the lack of a holding call, it it you know the the Chiefs lived to fight another day. If they had lost, I guarantee you that the backlash would have begun. Well, I saw a video mm. at the game, like a bunch of Jets fans were booing Ooh. Taylor being there because like they could mm. see her. But then it, Jets fans boo everything though. But it was kind of <laughs> uh, it's not funny because you shouldn't boo people, but. It was funny because they ended up losing. Uh, booing is, is boo you should boo you people. Can boo people. But yeah. I mean, she's showing game, up to build. a game like she's she's not on the field taking attention. Like, it's, but she's cheering for the other team. She's actively bringing attention to the other well, team. Well, they the like, whole stadium booed her, and then her team won. So who's the real winner? Last here? night, Cohen's mom. We were at Cohen's last JV football game last night, and the other team scored. And Cohen's mom started booing and did oh the my two gosh. thumbs down. And I, and I tapped her on the shoulder, and I'm like, these are children. Like, what are you doing? Doesn't she goes, matter. I'm not booing the children. I'm Ooh. booing their parents. Because, like, the other team had filled our stands, and they were they were really obnoxious. And she yeah. said that really loud. And then the parents sitting right behind me go, you're booing oh, us? She, she She's like, yeah, I'm booing you. And, like, all this... And it was a Catholic hey. school versus our Christian school. And so, like, there's a holy war! There's a holy war! Like, I was... I can't. Then I was just talking oh, about man. Catholics the entire game after that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm telling you, a Texas high school football game, absolutely, parents are yeah, fighting each I, other. I every week, I think uh, I see fights because yeah, every week I see NFL. fights on like TikTok, like the families and the referees. They, 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 their kids don't play; NFL, they take it really yeah. serious. They yeah. do. Anyway, all right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Jenny Allen joins us. You're listening to Royal Otis. The song is Fried Rice. Well, our guest today is Jenny Allen. Uh, she's an author, speaker, founder of If Gathering. Recently, she spent a lot of time uh, speaking to the next generation of young adult leaders, giving her a unique perspective on the future of the church. We talked to her about uh, misconceptions people have about Gen Z and how they're already making an impact and her hope for the church's future. Here's part of our conversation with Jenny. Notice you have been investing a lot in the next generation. 
Um, like you were a speaker at uh, the Jaywalkers conference recently. Um, and I know you've gotten to just like meet with a lot of, um, I don't know, Gen Z and young adults. And I'm curious, is that something that you're intentionally pursuing? Well, crazy enough, I would per- potentially do that if if it weren't finding me. But largely, all of these events have just found us and they've come to me. And I think it's because there is something really special right now happening with them. And I feel like I, I really, what they say to me, it's so cute because I feel like I have a special connection with them because so many beautiful and amazing things happen almost every single time I speak to that age group. And it's never the same thing, but they would say, you see the best in us and you believe in us. And I think it's as simple as that. I think that's what they see in me is probably a mother figure that sees their potential. And I think that's what they feel from me. That's what they have told me consistently. But I don't know. I mean, I just think it's them. I think it's not just happening when I'm there. It's happening all the time. It's happening across the country with that generation. There's there's a hunger for God that is that is fresh and new pertaining to the last few decades. And we're all watching it and going, yes, that's what we prayed for. That's what we wanted for ourselves. And and it's happening for them and in them. I love that. That's so beautiful. I, I'm curious, you know, do you have any thoughts about why that's happening now or what's yeah, kind of pushed this? You know, I, a lot of times, a lot of people have compared this generation to what happened in the 70s and the movie that was just made about the Jesus movement, specifically called Jesus Revolution was the name of the movie. But the Jesus movement was famous and is famous. I mean, I grew up hearing about it. My my parents were a part of it and a product of it. In fact, I found out the other day, my home, home church, the pastor um, had traveled to a conference in California, had specifically been. So so I'm a direct result of that movement of, of God. Yeah. So there was, and, it, and they were all in college when it happened. So they were, they were in the, it was in the seventies. It was, um, they were young adults and they wanted God. And one reason they wanted God then is because the chaos of war, the chaos of um, giving their lives to sex and drugs. I mean, that was happening on a scale that that had not happened in the 60s and the 50s and prior to that. And so I think to some degree, I remember hearing someone say once, it is a mercy of God to get everything that the world says will make you happy and to realize it doesn't, that that's a mercy of God mm-hmm. because you actually understand, yes, there are consequences in that, but to get to your desperate place of, oh my gosh, I just got the whole package. I just got everything that I thought would make me happy and it didn't. And what else is there? That's a gift because then you want God in a different way. And so I really believe to some degree they are that generation, right? They've they've gotten everything the world has to offer through their little screens that they've held since they were born, you know, and, and the way the world works, whether it's sexual gratification through pornography, whether it's um, drugs, alcohol. I mean, the things that, that my age kid – their friends are into and what they're able to get is just so different than the way I grew up. So what that means is they have tasted it all and they realize that it's hopeless and they want they want something to mean more than the world that they're being offered. And and so when you say, "Hey, this is God's way. This is God's love. This is the hope that you can have." They're craving it and they're ready. I, I mean, at Jaywalker specifically, every every event's been different. I could tell a dozen stories. But Jaywalker specifically, this last one, you know, they all came forward because I did an altar call. While my eyes were closed, I opened my eyes and there's hundreds of them in the front on their knees. Mm-hmm. And and then I think, okay, well, gosh, that was very quick. And, and so many of them came. I didn't even see them come because I was praying. And... And so I did a prayer and I heard their voices out loud repeating back to me the simple prayer I was giving them to say. It was so sincere. It was so simple. It was so pure. They just want God. And I think it's because the world, they've tasted it and don't, it, ha- it has not met their needs. And I love hearing that this next generation is hungry for God and that they're like pursuing God in that way. Um how do you feel about the future of the church, like looking yeah. at this generation? Oh, I've never been so excited. I feel like they will usher in revival, and I believe it will impact all of us. I, I don't I, – I, it's already happening, right? It started already. It, we saw it for the first time. I, I saw it for the first time in 2018 
when I just saw a public confession of sin like I'd never seen. I could not stop it. It was 2018, I was speaking at A&M, and it's the first time they were in the room. And I remember coming home and going, something just changed. Something just changed, and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know their name yet. I didn't know they were called Gen Z. I I hadn't studied or realized that the next generation had shown up, but they were there. And I felt it every time. And then all of a sudden, they got a name around COVID time. Everybody started talking about Gen Z. Well, you know, when I think today about what's already happening. And so Asbury happens and I had to go see it. Not because I, in fact, when I went, nobody was paying attention to it. There had been like two reels on Instagram when I went. It just was resonating with everything I'd seen since 2018. And I wanted to go see it. It did not surprise me that it was college students. It did not surprise me that it was happening. It resonated with what I was seeing building behind the scenes working with them. So Mm. It, Asbury was, yes, a part of it, but I'd already sensed they are different and they want God and they are hungry and give them a chance and they're going to run, run for the kingdom, not just walk or choose it or not go the wrong way. They're going to go all in. And and what I'd been hearing after I was speaking to them in 2018, 2019, 2020 was they would come up to me afterwards and the conversation changed from where I think we've been in a season of deconstruction, which there's, I don't know that, that this generation would be there if it weren't for a season of questioning things and cleaning out, cleaning house, right? Like there was a lot of things that were, was broken in the church that needed to be pruned, that needed to be talked through and brought to the light. And I, I think that was a necessary part of it. Like we're experiencing a harvest because of the pruning that happened prior, right? Of, Mm of working through things. But right now this generation isn't thinking about that anymore. And, and I'm, again, I'm not dissing our generation or the people that have come before them. They played a part, but what this generation is going, and they're going to, going to play a part, right? The, all these kids need discipleship, right? It's great. They want God, but they've got to know their yeah. Bibles and what to do with that. And so, um, you know, all the generations are going to matter here, but this generation, what shifted was all of a sudden they were coming up to me afterwards and instead of tearing everything apart, they were saying just simply, I feel called to go on the mission field. I feel called to teach my Bible. I just, they, they were just in. It wasn't, to them, there wasn't a difference of I'm a saving faith and completely surrendered lives. It was just the same. When they, when they were given saving faith, they were surrendered. There was no process of getting to, I'll give you my whole life. It was, Jesus loves me. Oh my gosh, he loves me no matter what I did. What? I'm all in. That that was what it looked like. And I think it was just refreshing. I think it is refreshing. I think it's why we're all watching and so excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, and I think that's such a beautiful um, perspective to have of, um, yeah, just like their, like you said, like their hunger and their desire for it. What can, what do you think the, um, I feel funny saying this, but like the older church members, like what can we do yeah. to encourage Gen Z and keep lifting them up? I think two things. I think one, to to believe in them. I think to follow suit of believing that that they really want something meaningful in their lives, that they're not shallow, that they're not completely checked out. Like to, to look in their eyes and go, you know, they, they're pretty smart. You know, I think of technology like this. I think of old money and new money. Like people from old money, they kind of – they're kind of settled with it. It's like, yeah, I don't need the newest car. I don't need the fancy everything. People with new money, they really get into it and they show it off and they really are, you know, that's that's kind of the cliche. I'm not saying that's always the case, but that's the cliche statement about it. I think it's the same with technology. I think they're old technology. Like they've seen it. My kids, you look on their phones, they don't have social apps on their phones. They take breaks from them. They not not, not that they never get on Instagram, but they're they they will take it off and then at it back. They they are measured and they aren't sitting there obsessed with technology. They actually have seen the damage it's caused in their lives and other people's lives. And so I think we are putting our view and our struggles on them rather than going, you know, I actually see that they have matured with this and they want lives that are present. You see it because so many young people are moving to the country. So many people, young people are moving to small towns. Young people are going to small churches. They really are looking for and hungry for community and and authenticity and something to be real for them. And I don't just mean honest, although that's a part of it. 
I mean embodied. I mean something that feels like dinner and looking at eyeballs across the table. I'm not saying they've arrived there and that they're all good at it. I'm saying they're craving it. And to see that potential in them and to to encourage it and to help it and to model it, right? Because we got the phones, some of us got the phones, and we remember life before it, and we haven't been the best with it either. You know, so let's not shame them about it. We raise them yeah. and and let's let's help continue to raise them and and to see the hunger inside of them, even if they can't articulate it yet, even if they can't tell you, I want God, yet they do. And and if to give room for that and space for them to wrestle and to process. I remember my daughter um, in middle school, she walked through a pretty severe season of doubt where she was like, mom, I don't think it's true. I don't believe in God. Um, and rather than freak out, I, I sat with her in that and I said, I want to be here with you. I think this is good. I think it's good for you to wrestle with this and I want to help you do it. And I didn't, I didn't get scared. And I think that's the role we can play is just be beside them as they come into their own and as they embrace and find their way to God. Because it, I can promise you this, it's not up and to the right. It's not. Now, what I'm talking about are moments of harvest that are beautiful and powerful, and God says those things are going to happen. But the process to get the tilling of the soil and the cultivating of the soil, all that takes a little while. And and we've got to do a really good job of that as the generations above them and as local churches. I do love that, though, and I love just how passionate you are about this. Um, truthfully, it, it reminds me of when I kind of first found out who you were, which was through if gathering, um, when you were just creating a space for women in a really powerful way. Um, I personally just grew up in a church where there was not a great space for women. Um, Mm. and I remember in college being a part of a church, um, and they did, um, if groups and it just was so powerful. Like it was, I'd never gotten to experience something like that. And so Mm. I'm excited to see, um, just you pour into Gen Z the way that you've, I've watched you pour into women over the last several years. So Mm, that's kind. Thank you, Emily. And I'm sorry for that. I I do think we've come a long way. The church has come a long way with women and the division, um, the confusion around women was damaging. There's no doubt. And, and, you know, I really believe my daughters don't feel it, which is so unbelievable and exciting Mm -hmm. to me that we really have come so far that they just want to use their gifts. They know they're gifted. They know they've got ways to build the kingdom and they're just doing it, you know, and there, there's not as much hesitation as I felt, which gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious, like when you started if gathering, like what, what was like the beginning of that? Like for you, how did that Mm. get started? Yeah. I mean, I came out of a very conservative side of the church and I mean, I, I still am on a very, I'm in a very conservative (laughs) side of the church. Um, but but, you know, what I love about the church I attend and a lot of the churches I serve and minister to is they're not looking for restriction for restriction's sake. They're actually just trying to empower and believe in women and then obey the scriptures. And I know that's most people's heart, and I know it's a complicated road, right? Mm-hmm. But when I look back, there was just, whether it was put on us by church hurt or whatever, I had a lot of fear that I had leadership gifts, teaching gifts. I had no idea what to do with that. That was before Beth Moore. So I wasn't sitting there imagining a world in publishing like I have now or or in speaking on platforms like I do now. I I didn't know what to do with it. I was a stay-at-home mom. My, my husband was a pastor, and I didn't know what I could do or not do. And so I kept it really controlled and small. I led a little Bible study in my home of about seven people for years and years and years. And I, that was scary to me, even that. And, and of course, it grew and it grew. And all of a sudden, you know, it was, it was reaching a lot of people. And my husband felt like, these Bible studies you're writing, this is really helpful. And so that's how I started, was 15 years of Bible study, writing and leading in my living room, turned to hundreds and then many churches asking for my materials. That's how I got in. And so I show up on the scene and there aren't a lot of us at that point. I mean, this was, you know, back the only kind of peers or or mentors that I had at that point 10 years ago, 12 years ago 
was Beth and Priscilla in publishing. And then Chris Kane, you know, migrated from Australia over here. <laughs> and we found out about her around then. Um, so there are a few, but I didn't know women could preach like that. I didn't know. I just didn't yeah. know. And so I I looked at if and and what I actually was asked in that first year that I was publishing to speak at Women of Faith and Catalyst mm-hmm. and some of the big conferences at the time. And I looked at that. I got on that stage and I I felt the room. And it was fine, but it very much felt like something my mother would attend or my grandmother would attend. It didn't feel like it was for me. Mm. And so if was really born out of what would I want and what do I think actually changes the world? And I'm a product of Campus Crusade for Christ at the time. Like I was discipled in college with crew stuff. And and their language is win, build, send, and it's discipleship oriented. So my view was, why would we bring them to stadiums, even if we could, when ultimately their local church, their home, their living room has been the place of life change for me, and it's been the place I've been impacting lives for years. It's how Jesus did it, right? So if gathering was as simple as, I really think this needs to be done differently, and I think we need to give women, invite them in to give them a tool where they can bring their neighbors and friends together. Mm-hmm. And so that was the vision of IF, was not to blow up stadiums and have a big event. It was to gather women, for women to feel empowered to disciple make in their cities, in their churches, in their towns. And we wanted to be that spark and that catalyst to that. And it has happened over and over and over again. What I love is that when I show up at a local church, rather than saying, thanks for that conference you do, they say, thank you for blessing the women in our church. Mm -hmm. Because some of them started a women's ministry because of If Gathering. They started with a conference hosting and then they saw the need. And now all these lay women have risen up and are starting this women's ministry and then it becomes a staff position because it grows. And, you know, and, and these are the stories that I hear. So I just love that that it isn't known for being a big conference. It's it, largely, if you've been a part of it, it's yeah. known for catalyzing, I think, relationship and discipleship. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's definitely been my experience was like getting to, um, again, I was in college, so getting to meet not only with, like other girls my age, but also getting to like be mentored. Um by women in my mm. church, like it just, it made all the difference. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can confirm that that is, that's like what I, when I think of if that's what I think of, um, Good. it was just beautiful. What I'm curious, what would you say to someone who, um, you know, maybe they feel that spark and they kind of, like you said, like you, you looked out and you saw some, you felt it's a need and like you wanted to get started. What yeah. would you say to someone who feels that? Well, you know, for me, I, it's so funny. I think I think a lot of people will say things to me, I want to do what you do. And, and I, I think I'd heard somebody else rephrase it in this way. And I, I've taken it and, and do the same as what do you, what do you think I do <laughs> exactly? <laughs> and I, I always get, you know, speak and write and do, you know, lead a big organization. And I was like, yeah, that's not actually what I do. I do the same thing I've always done and I will do it till I die. And it is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And that has reached further than I ever expected it to do. But I imagine if I had strategized it and had a plan to make it reach so far, I don't know that it would have, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I've always kept my life pretty simple in that the people that are in front of me are my priority. And so my team right now, right, the people actually leading if are who I care about. I always say to them, I'm I'm not going to be accountable for the person in Idaho that watched our conference, I'm going to be accountable for how I discipled important into you. How was your spiritual health? Because you're the people God gave me. That it reached Idaho is on him, right? He did that. Miracles, upon miracles. I am responsible for y'all. So I think that's always helped me in life to not feel like, one, did not be too big for my britches, and two, to keep my mission clear and my emotional health right. Because I can't take on the you know, potentially hundreds of thousands, millions of women supposedly that are participating in if, I can't do that. But I can take care of my family and my people. And because that happens to go well in that they love God a lot and they're giving away God and they're giving away God and the people they love are giving away God, it reaches really far. But I don't know. That's always just helped keep it simple for me. So 
you ask the question, what would you tell people? Like if they feel a little spark, it's do it. Use your gifts wherever you are. Act 17 says that we were put, our boundary lines were drawn for us and that we were set in our allotted times. I just think that's such a powerful thought mm-hmm. that God set you and your allotted time in your city, in your neighborhood, on your campus, wherever God has set you so that it says people may feel, perhaps people may feel their way to God. So there's a plan and it involves your setting and your time and the times that God has picked for you to live and who's around you. So I always just say, start by using your gifts right there. For years and years and years, I led girls a little bit younger than me. And they were college age most of the time in my 20s and 30s. And I just taught them in my living room and did my thing. I had no idea it would, it would reach the ends of the earth. And I have always wondered in the back of my mind and can't wait to see in heaven that I won't get to heaven and if will never come up, right? Like it'll just, it'll never come up because what God used the most in my life was my living room and was the carpool line that I pull my babysitter and say, come on, let's go. I want to hear what happened last night with that situation that you're dealing with. I think that probably is my most impactful ministry. And, and I say that because all of those girls that I've invested in over the years, all of them, and the ones I continue to invest in, um, the new ones, they're making disciples. And, and, and I could trace trees of like, this per- I discipled this person, they discipled so-and-so, they discipled so-and-so, they discipled so-and-so. And that person came up to me in an event and said, hey, I was discipled by so-and-so, who was discipled by so-and-so, who was discipled by you. I mean, that's how it spreads, right? Yeah. And that's more powerful and life-changing than an event or a book. Yeah. That serves as tools. I've always seen myself as a tool builder. I build tools for discipleship to happen. And that's where that that makes sense to me in the in the story of God and how he lives and does things. That was Jenny Allen. Make sure to check out the rest of that conversation over at relevantmagazine.com. All right, stay tuned. Up next we have a special little mini segment coming, and then it's our game called You Don't Say. listening to Tommy Newport. The song is Don't Mind. Well, before we get to our game segment, we want to take a couple of minutes to tell you about an organization we're excited to partner with, Medical Teams International. Medical Teams is a faith-inspired health and humanitarian organization that's been providing life-saving medical care to people in crisis for over 40 years. We reached out to Medical Team CEO, Martha Newsom to learn more about their work, especially with uh, what's happening in Sudan right now. Thanks for joining us, Martha. T- tell us the situation in Sudan. I am so glad that you want to talk about Sudan because the crisis there is just horrific. Um, it came out of nowhere in April. And, you know, the people in Khartoum, 10 million people woke up to their two military, two factions of the military bombing each other. Um, putting all 10 million of those residents at risk, and it just hasn't gotten better. It's literally getting worse. Um, So five to six million people have been displaced internally in Sudan. Um, The Human Rights Watch was talking about, you know, that these atrocities are, you know, not only a possibility, but literally Sudan has sort of fallen over a precipice in terms of the atrocities growing, particularly in the Darfur region. Um, People are trying to get south to where we work in White Nile. And then um, many of the hospitals, estimated 80% of hospitals are not even functioning. And then there's been outbreaks. Um, As I mentioned, we are in White Nile. And one of the reasons we were asked to go there is because there's a deadly outbreak of measles in that area of Sudan. So we are providing, um, we're supporting refugee camps and that's where also displaced people that are Sudanese that have just had to flee internally are getting to. And so supporting um, over a million people that have been impacted by this conflict, providing support to those health facilities to get them functioning again 
providing emergency nutrition support. Um, there's also a huge number of Sudanese that are really on the, the brink of famine. And so um, providing those emergency nutrition services so basic, basic and life-saving health services and trying to get a handle on this measles outbreak at the same time, making sure those health facilities have medical supplies, um, that they've got pharmaceuticals, and that they're functioning. Hearing things like famine and displacement and disease and epidemics, it, it's overwhelming. And, and it so many times causes like cause paralysis almost. And, and, and things just become statistics and numbers. What are you doing or how, how should we be communicating what's happening in a way that kind of cuts through the noise and, and humanizes the situation? Yeah. I mean, we like to remind people that they're just like us. Imagine if you woke up and had to flee for your life, you know, with your family and it was your, your mom or your sister, your dad or your uncle that was impacted. And so we're grateful that your um, compassionate listeners are interested in what's happening in Sudan because it's really hasn't had the airtime that some of the other conflicts have had. Um, Ukraine has been in the news a lot, of course, because of the geopolitical implications of that conflict. And then Turkey with the earthquake, but Sudan really has just fallen out of sight and out of mind for so many Americans. Okay, I gotta ask, what can relevant listeners do? For just $25, you can provide life-saving medical care to someone in Sudan. So um, people are we just welcome having you come to our website, medicalteams.org backslash Sudan. And even, you know, whatever small or large donation you might be able to provide would provide that life-saving medical care that they so desperately need. And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with bad news, and yet it's the small acts of kindness and love that matter, right? And they add up, um, just like the, we talk, we like to talk about the, the parable of the loaves and the fish, you know, that God can multiply everything that we do. And that really, truly will let the Sudanese know that we haven't forgotten them. Well, that was Martha Newsom. To learn more about Medical Teams' life-saving work and to get involved, get involved. Visit medicalteams.org slash relevant. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's You Don't Say. Listening to Yasmin Haas, the song is Cleo. Okay, uh, we we mentioned this earlier in the show, but last week, Merriam-Webster added 690 words to the dictionary. <laughs> How? First of all, 690 words. Uh, they're words that reflect a unique moment in our culture, like riz and simp. Simp is in, now in the dictionary. Um, That's crazy, uh, bro. Nice. <laughs> words come and go, uh, but once they're in the dictionary, they're there for eternity. So we perused the Merriam-Webster dictionary for real English words that are in there currently that we don't use anymore. So the game, it's called uh, You Don't Say, and you're going to be given, I'm going to say a word, a real word. You're going to be given two definitions. Select the correct definition to win a point. Here we go. Uh, Emily, can you keep score? Since you wrote the game, you yeah. can't play. Yeah, I know all the words in the dictionary, so it'd kind of be unfair. So, uh, Jesse, you're up first. The word right. is age last. It's one. It's the word age and last, but it's pushed together. So age last. Is that a person who never laughs, or a person who can't stop laughing, especially in inappropriate situations? Age I'm last. B. That seems like something that would have have a definition. Incorrect. It's a person who never laughs. Ooh, so there you go. Okay. All right, Derek. Pot valor. It's hyphenated. Pot valor. Mm. Is that the courage one must muster when faced with an overflowing pot of boiling pasta? Or is it boldness or courage resulting from an alcoholic drink? I'm going to go with... Or pot valor. I guess it's pot valor. I'm going to go with B. Yeah. 
alcoholic drink. You're gonna you're gonna have boldness and courage. Or liquid courage. Mm-hmm. They Old pot yeah. valor. Or pot valor. Yeah. Uh, okay, Marty. Whiffle. Is it the the sound of a gentle breeze, or to flourish a sword in sword dancing so as to produce a whistling sound? A whiffle. I really thought it was like a sexual term, to be completely honest with you, but I'm gonna go with A. It's B. It just sounds it's sexual. The sword in nature. It's B. Sword okay. dancing. Noise. It's a sword Which dancing. Sword, yeah. I should have known Gen sword Z. Sword dancing. <laughs> I'm so confused. What that is? Like, do you? You ever been to a Pentecostal church? They usually do it in front <laughs> they, they and worship. Flags and swords. <laughs> they do it flags so far. That's yeah. what that's called. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Jesse. Spank you. Spank you. It's S P A N G H E W. Good one. That's a great one. Is that to throw a frog into the air from the end of a stick? To throw a frog into the air from the end of a stick? Or the sensation of being unexpectedly startled by a loud noise? Spank you. The, the first one, I have a hard time believing someone would come up with a term to, that it would happen so frequently. <laughs> like, we need a term for this. Um, I think you would just say, hey, look at that person throwing a, a frog with a stick. I'm going to go B. The answer is A, to throw a frog into the air from the end of a stick. Where wow. is this happening wow. at such a frequency yeah. that it necessitates it's happening its Florida. own? It's happening in Florida every day. It was just anything that you put from a stick, but it said especially a frog. Like it singled out a frog. Especially, of course. <laughs> Highlighting so like, it. Okay. Wow. Singled out. Um, okay, Derek. Uh, Midasism. M Y T A C I S M. Midasism. Is that excessive or wrong use of the sound of the letter M? Or is it the practice of studying ancient myths and legends? No, Midasism. I'm going B. It's A, excessive or wrong use of the sound of the letter M. That's crazy. <laughs> why is, again, mm, like how is, why do we need a word for that? The we amount of things that I found out, like, I, I didn't know this was a word because I didn't know you needed a word to describe this. Is right. The, like the stick throwing, you know, the yeah. frog throwing. Um, okay. They're just trying to sell dictionaries at this point, <laughs> adding new words. Marty. Crapulence. Is it the state of feeling satisfied after enjoying a delicious meal, or is sickness caused by food or drink? Crapulence. You know, I'm going to go with A on this one. It's I B. Feel like sickness caused by food or oh, drink. Man. Think about it. Crapulence. You feel like crap. You got to go. Yeah, take I know. Crap. It makes sense, but it's usually what you don't think on these games. That's why it's because Emily's really tricky with. Uh, she's tricky with it, and so I'm. I'm trying. I have to balance that in my mind as well. All right, yeah, two rounds down. What's me. the score update? What's the score update? Uh, Jesse zero. Derek and Marty each have one. All right. Uh, this next round, two points each. Here we go. Jesse, pod snappery. One word. Pod snappery. Okay. Is it an attitude toward life marked by complacency and a refusal to recognize unpleasant facts or the quirky behavior of someone who can't help but snap their fingers whenever they see a pea pod? Pod snappery. Again, I just refuse to believe there's a term for B, and I'm going to go with A. It is A, an attitude yeah. toward life <laughs> marked by complacency and a refusal to recognize unpleasant what facts. What if it would have been That's B, Jesse? I feel like your mind would have just exploded. I, I would feel like the people at Webster's have a have a quota. Like, all right, we got to come up with 600 words this year. And they're like, just finding yeah, things to define. That's my thing. It's like, how are there 690 new words yeah, that need to be defined this year? You know? anyway. All right, uh, Derek. Uh, poet taster. Poet taster. It's like the word poet mm-hmm. and the word taster together. Mm-hmm. Poet taster. Is it an inferior poet or a farmhand who inspects potatoes? Or maybe it's po-taster. P-O-E-T-A-S-T-E-R. Po-taster. An inferior poet or a farmhand who inspects potatoes? Mm. I'm going to go with B. It's A, an inferior poet. <laughs> a po-taster. Mm. All right, Marty, teradiddle. Teradiddle. A small colorful ornament traditionally hung on trees during a festive holiday like Christmas or a fib? I think, I mean, first off, I think Jesse has the point. I don't have the point, but I think it's B. It is B, a fib. Teradiddle. Good. I think we're not now even. Emily, I think Jesse had the first point. I haven't got any of these right. I suck. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Against I think, your gut. Yeah. No. Honor system. Yeah. No, no, so, no. Honor system. This is like that. Point. This is. I think. That's what I thought too, uh, Emily. Wait. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get one. Yeah, I, I think, now I did. I have two points. So now God kind of because I did the honor you know, system. You know that me. you know that like that that at the end of the basketball game that late night PSA commercial where the basketball game, the coach it was out on me. That's what Marty just did. That's what Marty just did. Coach, I fouled him. I fouled him, coach. Why are you telling me, dude? We're gonna have to yeah. run this. <laughs> your job. Let the ref, My coach would have been like, shut up, their, shut up. Yeah, let the refs do their job. Let the refs do their job. It wasn't called. Oh well. Yeah. It's I still like, got it. And the Deep. rules don't work like that. They don't change a call because you said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, know? you don't make the refs look bad. That's not going to work out. <laughs> so you made us lose the playoffs, Jeremy. Go, it was, go tell it was the definitely coach a so non-athlete so you don't get that made that college. commercial. Like that person had 100%. never been to a sports game in their life. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. What's the actual score update, Emily? Okay. Well, so. if we're sticking to the honor system, um, Derek has one, Marty and Jesse each have two. All right, there you go. All right, this round, three points each. Here you go. Anybody's game. Uh, Jesse, Collie Wobbles. Collie Wobbles. Is it a pain in the abdomen area or the feeling of inexplicable, inexplicable joy? Collie Wobbles. I'm going B. It's got to be B. Pain in the abdomen. It's a stomach yeah. ache. You know your Collie that, that, Wobbles? It seems so I have fun the Collie Wobbles <laughs> today. Yeah. Sounds like a restaurant in LA that no one can get into. It seems too Collie fun wobbles. for something that could potentially be like appendicitis. Don't worry about it. Oh, he's just got the Collie Wobbles. It's, it's, it's like, he's yellow. No, the, he just I just, died. I just picture yeah, this some is very serious. You have sepsis. Old white man writing all these things down. <laughs> Collie Wobbles. He's like, oh, my Collie Wobbles. I'm the Collie Wobbles. He went on X once. So he went on Twitter X for the first time. And he was like, look at all these words. Let me start writing these in. They make sense. All right, Derek. Sock Doliger. Sock Doliger, S-O-C-K-D-O-L-A-G-R. A decisive or finishing blow or remark or a playful term for missing a sock or for a missing a sock, a missing sock. Sock Doliger. Man, it got to be the A to B. Is a decisive or finishing blow or remark. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. All right, um, Marty. Dick. Choir. Winning right now. Q-U-I-R-E. Choir. To cheat or swindle or a set of 24 or 25 sheets of paper. I'm going to say it's an A. I'm going to go A on this one. It's a set of 24 or it's 25 B. sheets of paper. I never heard that on The Office. I never heard that once. Same. Sorry. Acquire. Yeah. All right, Jesse, Bumbershoot. Is that an umbrella or a theater <laughs> variety show? Bumbershoot. I, I, I'm pretty certain that's A. An umbrella. That's correct. Derek, Leary Poop. L-I-R-I <laughs> Poop. Leary Poop. A frivolous or silly person? Or a bird that supposedly brings good luck and happiness when spotted flying overhead. A lily poop. I'm going with B. Leary poop. Sorry, leery poop, not lily. I'm going with leery B. poop. A frivolous or silly person. It's A. It's A. Leary poop. You're such uh, a gook. Marty, gobbly gook. Uh, something uh, outstanding or remarkable, or a language that is meaningless or hard to understand, especially bureaucratic jargon. Gobbly gook. I'm gonna say it's a B. I've been picking A this whole time. I'm gonna say it's it is B. B. It is B. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Sounds I like something from Willy Wonka's factory. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, score update, Emily. Uh, Derek has four. Marty and Jesse each have five. All right. <sighs> Last round. Five points each. Here we go. Anybody's game. Jesse. Vexil vexillology vexillology v e x i l l o l o g y Vexillology, the study of flags or the study of candle making? Flags. Correct. Oof, big win. Derek, mm. yaffle. Yaffle, like waffle with a Y. Yaffle. To eat or drink noisily or with great enthusiasm or the action of playfully bouncing a rubber ball off the floor while whistling a catchy tune. Yaffle. B. A, to eat or drink noisily or with great enthusiasm. Show. You're thinking too hard. I'm not no, I'm not thinking at all. I've said B <laughs> for every answer. Marty, last one. <laughs> Kith. Kith. K-I-T-H, like the streetwear shop. It's store, Kith. yeah. A hidden treasure chest or friends or acquaintances? A hidden treasure chest. I'm going to say it's a hidden treasure chest. Friends or acquaintances is what it is. A kith. It would make sense because of a store called Kith. And then, right. you know. It would be a treasure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Loot. All right. Congratulations, Jesse. Jesse. You won. You don't say. Tell them what it he It makes wins. sense. You're, you're a writer. Honor. You're a writer. So they you should honor. have the best Big vocabulary, you know. Yeah, you're a writer, I know, Jesse. 
All types of gobbledygook. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Jenny Allen for joining us today. Make sure to check out everything she's doing, her books and all that, and If Gathering uh, as well. We're just appreciative of her. Okay, a little housekeeping. Uh, Subscribers, you guys, and hey, if you aren't a subscriber to this podcast, why aren't you? Come on, get on the ball here. Uh, But subscribers, you probably noticed that the last two weeks we have not had a Friday episode. Why? It was on purpose. We have been testing and playing with some variables to see what is the best, uh, the most effective uh, frequency, posting time, length, different things for this podcast. And uh, we learned some stuff. The answer is go back to what we were doing. (laughs) So officially starting with this podcast every Tuesday and Friday, we will be back in the saddle and you will have a a new Realm podcast. Um, Little, little, uh, little teaser, I guess. The other thing we're working on right now, YouTube. We have a lot of subscribers over on our YouTube channel, but we haven't really posted much, if anything, there since COVID. Um, and we moved out of our old studio. Uh, we are we are bringing it back. We have a lot of new uh, YouTube programming and exciting experiences that the team has been working on. And we will be rolling those out here in the next week or so. If you don't subscribe to the relevant YouTube channel, go ahead and hit 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 like hit or hit subscribe because we'll be doing some live launches, sending out announcements about premieres and different things. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Be part of our our kind of next wave. And guess what? A lot of stuff from this podcast will be on YouTube. So a lot more video, a lot more, you know, funny stuff, a lot more of the guests and interviews and stuff like that over on our YouTube channel. So we, you know, yes, the podcast has kind of like uh, had a weird couple of weeks on our output schedule, but it's because we're in the process of kind of laying the foundation or launching our next era. So just want to kind of be transparent, tell you guys what we're doing. There you go. Hopefully you will like what you see. Uh, and hopefully you will like getting our podcast twice a week again, because that's what's going to happen. All right. Well, hey, if you want to stay in touch with everything we're doing, check out RelevantMagazine.com. Every weekday, we're recovering the intersection of faith, culture, and everything in between. Follow us on all the socials. If you want our best content sent to your inbox, because following us on socials is too anxiety-provoking, because, you know, it's kind of rough out there. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter right there at RelevantMagazine.com. We send you our top five trending stories every weekday morning. Uh, it's a great way to stay in touch. Okay, on that note, we will wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Marty. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. That's a very specific concern. Relevant Podcast Network.